Hello and welcome to the Travelling Through podcast. To those of you listening for the first time, I am Emma, your podcast host, and each week I'm out and about chatting to Londoners and those who love, live and work in this big and glorious city. This week I met up with my friend John Bold. John is an architectural historian who specialises in English heritage and European heritage management. He has a vast experience back to the days of the Royal Commission on Historical Monuments. He has worked at University Westminster and as a consultant on heritage to the Council of Europe, which is where I first met him in 2004. John takes me on a whirlwind tour of some of the sites of Greenwich. These are also John's thoughts on London, the world and life. Right. Right. Hello, everybody. This is the Travelling Through podcast, and today I have John Bold with me. Hello, John. Hello, Emma. And we've just met up at Greenwich. <laughs> I've come along on the, a very convoluted way to get here via the DLR and tubes and not a bus, but and, and foot. foot and foot. And yeah. foot, yes. And here we are in, um, is this the sort in of the central In central part? Greenwich, yeah. With on the, on the right hand side, that's to the towards central London and that's the older part of Greenwich yes. and then the, the left hand side the the development that's uh, of the the 19th century uh, which accompanied uh, Greenwich Hospital's redevelopment of the centre. Okay because the whole of Greenwich started I mean the development of Greenwich goes back to is it back to back 14th century or something? Yeah, no, there was a Tudor. Yes, there was a there was a, a manor house which then was Tudor Palace built by Henry VIII, and so there were lots of um, lots of lots of things servicing servicing royal life and servicing the navy as well, of course, with the shipyards at uh, Deptford to the west and Woolwich to the east. Yes, and we have remnants of that history of that uh, with the Cutty Sark now anchored here. What? Well, Cutty Sark, yeah. <laughs> Cutty Sark marooned, marooned in yeah. that terrible glass enclosure <laughs> done by Grimshaw architects. Um, and that's a mid-19th century ship which was um, built, I think, in Scotland and it was rescued. It was on the clipper route yes. it, you know, for bringing tea and very fast and very beautiful and very elegant and they have completely messed up its context. Yes, and yet it's very successfully uh, messed up in, in terms of a, a great tourist attraction. It's a great tourist <laughs> attraction, yes, but they have made a complete... They have... Anyway, anyway let's not go <laughs> let's on Let's not that, go ahead. This is much more positive. This, okay. is, this is Hawksmoor's St Alfred's Church, uh, which is one of the Queen Anne churches. It was the first of the Queen Anne churches mm-hmm. by the Act in, in 1714 when they decided to have 50 new churches in her uh, in, in her honor and memory and so on and and, okay. and this was the first uh, the, there was a church here yes and they t- it was very seriously damaged in a storm and so they were petitioned to rebuild mm-hmm. so Hawksmoor rebuilt it okay it is magnificent it's beautiful but the they, stonework they retained is... the they retained the medieval tower which right. later got encased by by John James okay anyway it's a, wonderful, it's a wonderful building, yes. and it's been cleaned recently and yes. restored, which is yes. why it looks so pristine. It's probably why, for the first time, I've actually noticed it as well. <laughs> <laughs> I've walked past this church, yeah. I don't know how many times, I've never actually fully appreciated it. It is a fantastic church. It, yeah. so, and it's easy to go, you can go in. You want to go in? Or? Should we go and have a quick view? We've got time. Quick look. So Queen Anne, um, 
Queen Anne was. died in 1740. She was the last of the Stuart monarchs, and she died in 1714. And the throne then passed to George, Hanoverian George I, who is from an earlier branch of the family. So there was, a, there was an interrelatedness, as there always seems to be in these royal circles. Yes, yes. So it wasn't, an, it wasn't completely out of the blue. <laughs> <laughs> A Queen Anne was Queen Anne of Denmark, wasn't she? No, no. she was oh a different Queen Anne. Okay. Um, My Queen Anne of Denmark was the one who was married to James the First. James the First, that's right. Cause I was and then Queen Anne is the sister of Queen Mary of William and Mary. So they were on the throne. <laughs> Mary, uh, it gets very complicated. Mary died. Got the same Mary names. died in the 1690s, and William died uh, about 1702 or something like that. And so at that point. They didn't have any children, so so her um, her sister Anne mm. took over. I think that's it. Okay. But I'm not an expert on the royal family. Where's the door? Oh, we've walked past it. <laughs> There's the door. Okay. Is it open? Everyone is welcome. Everyone is welcome. As long as it's between twelve to four. Please enter through the arch and the north doors. Okay. Where is that then? Well, we don't well, have this, to go that's in here. The this north is really doors, the north doors, the north is that on side. On the other side, okay. Because yeah. that's really interesting with all the, uh, all the from the cemetery, all the stones have been yes. sort of pulled yeah, together. Cleared and up. Cleared up and created. Tidied. <laughs> Tidied. And there's a nice 18th century terrace there. At the, uh, oh, the yes, it is, isn't it? And it's, you know, nice, all very nice work. grounds. Yeah. yeah. Maybe we should just keep going then. Okay. Oh, it's beautiful, but it's worth a visit. If you're in the neighbourhood, to listeners, who, <laughs> yes, to it listeners is. who are in London. <laughs> <laughs> it St. is worth St. a visit. St. Alfred's or St. Alfridge. And St. Alfridge was... Um, St. Alfridge, okay. St. Alfridge was... Uh, yeah, he was made a saint. He got killed by a Danish raiding party, I believe. Yeah, so he was, uh, he, he was apparently boned to death. They, 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 these raiding party that killed him with... Bones. Bones from the cemetery, that's oh the story. Yeah. Oh, hang on a minute. Boned to death. <laughs> yes, I think How so. horrible. Yes, yes. So anyway, so he's, he's commemorated. Is that uh, the worst kind of um, death? <laughs> Is it considered the, the most... I had um, a friend at school. Well, he wasn't a friend. A person I knew at school. Um, he was brilliant mathematically and scientifically and I was hopeless mathematically and scientifically and so we didn't really see eye to eye very often mm. but he used to sit next to me on the school bus uh, or the bus from bus going back home from school and he'd say and he'd say how would you like to die Boldy would you like death of a thousand cuts and I thought oh yeah, god I hadn't never thought you know <laughs> never thought and so I don't know whether it's boning or death of a thousand cuts. <laughs> one of the two. <laughs> but one of the great things about this church is this, this front here. Yes. And this wonderful, looks like a portico, but it's not a portico because it's at the wrong end. Right. But it's a, it is a portico in that it's, it's advertising itself to the street. Yes, yeah, it is. Um, and it's, it's this kind of wonderful, this wonderful arch. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's absolutely superb. But and behind it is the altar. So it's kind of because oh, um, that's the way because of the, the, the orientation yeah, yeah, of the, yeah. the east-west orientation of the church, which was, you know, uh, sacrosanct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lovely big s sort of swag around. Yes, yes, and all these, these kind of 
yeah. quasi-Roman altars. Mm. You know, he's, mm. he's, he's a very learned architect, Hawke tomorrow. Mm. You know, he didn't, tra didn't travel, but knew an enormous amount. Yeah. Where did he get his knowledge uh, from? Well, there was this... It was at that time from, you know, he was a pupil of, pupil of Wren and then assistant of Wren. Um, and so there was that kind of scientific culture mm. uh, and that culture of finding out. And then there was a great quest in the late 17th, early 18th century for, to work out origins of stuff. Mm. So the origins of language, the origins of architecture, the origins of all this, that and the other. And it was at that time, in this, around about that time, that Fischer von Erlach did his massive history of architecture published. You know, it's when, it's when people were really investigating where did we start, where did this tradition come from, yes. what were the Romans doing, what were the Egyptians doing, and it was at that great burst of enlightenment thinking, right. and he was at the beginning of that, okay. I think. Okay. It's beautiful with the, with the sunlight hitting yeah. the sand as well. Of course, all, all these, not all these buildings, well, I suppose a lot of these buildings would have been here then as well. Well, these are, these are all... Uh, these are all rather later, aren't they? I mean, that, that's a rather nice 30s. Looks 30s or 30s or 50s, one or the other. True, yes. The one with bills on the corner. Yes, good old bills. And this is this is very new. This is um, the university uh, architecture and department. Okay. And I've forgotten who it's by, um, but it's rather good. Yeah, it's we, very different to everything else in, it, in, yeah. in the neighbourhood around it, isn't it? At the end of the street is, or not at the end of the street, but up there, that's the, the wonderful town hall. I love the clock. In the tower 1930s, it, yes. the former town hall. It's, no, it's, it's out of use, and they've been looking for a new use for it for quite a long time. Okay. Because they moved the centre of operations to Woolwich. <laughs> so this became, this is, this is redundant, but it's a rather fantastic. And the idea was that you could see the whole borough from the, um, from the top. From the top, it looks like an amazing um, apartment. Yeah, Bent it would house. be a very nice apartment. Clock tower. Okay. If we go up okay. here, we can go around to the park. Okay. I'm getting some very squeaky sounds now. <laughs> I don't know what's happening to Where my... is that from? I don't know. Let's try that. Let's see. So you can see here from the, you see the church oh, from yes, here, the, the kind of the composition of the whole thing, and you can see that the the tower doesn't look quite right. Yeah because it's a later, it's an encasing. Yes. And the tower that he wanted to put there, he actually built on the other side of the river in Stepney. Oh, did he? As oh, part of St George oh, in the East. That's right, was it in the, in the park? That kind there. of thing, yes. Yeah, that's beautiful, yeah. isn't it? That's which survived, survived bombing. As did many, many buildings did, but many buildings yeah. did not. So this one, the interior of this one was severely damaged. Mm -hmm. It was um, bombed, um, but it was very well, very well restored. Right. Or reinstated after the war. And who, um, in the 1950s. Who, who re did the restoration of that? Uh, I don't remember. Okay, that's allowed. <laughs> <laughs> you already know a lot more than I do. <laughs> I've learned a lot already. <laughs> <laughs> so we're now walking up towards, as if you were going up towards the observatory as well, is it? Uh, yes, I mean you would, you would be doing that if you yeah. were feeling that energetic. <laughs> so Greenwich is actually a, a big, it, it, it's like a combination of many buildings t for today for, for anybody coming to Greenwich. There's the, the observatory, there's a maritime museum, Cutty Sark, uh, Queen's yes, House. Yes. And there's a fifth one, I'm sure. Is there a fifth one? Well, there's the painted hall and chapel of the 
old naval college. Yes, yeah. Uh, or old hospital that then became a naval college, which we can say more about when we get there. Yeah, yes. So, John, how did. Very good theatre here. Which one is that? The Greenwich Theatre. <laughs> Greenwich Theatre. <laughs> no, it's behind the oh, scaffolding. Behind the scaffolding, the one I can't see. Okay. Well, I can there, see it, it. there it is. There. Oh, yes. No, I've never been there. From that little little taster of Yorkshire accent back there. Oh, yes. Was it yes. Hull that you. Well, I was born up? in Hull. My father wanted me to be born in Hull, so he had my mother transshipped from the West Riding of Yorkshire to Hull so that I could be born in Hull and then two weeks later taken back to um, Genesborough in the West Riding. Okay. And um, it's how I pronounce Nairsborough that everybody recognises where I'm really from. Okay. Which is Nairsborough really. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which is next to Harrogate. Oh yeah. Okay. And so I was there. I was in Thursk at the weekend. Were you? Were you? Really you were in that in those parts in then? The, in the area. Yeah. Yes. And so then that's where I was brought up. Okay. And so then I came to, uh, then I came, came to, went to university and then came to London as quickly as possible. <laughs> but what, where did your, um, your interest in architecture, where did that stem from? Well, I kind of been interested in, in art and architecture with, on the holidays with my uncle Fred. Mm -hmm. um, but never thought of it as a profession. Yes. Until, um, I went to Liverpool University and did politics and philosophy and dropped out after a year and then had a few years off. Then I went to Reading, then I was in Reading because Sarah, my wife, was in Reading. Yes. So I joined her there where she was at university. Mm -hmm. And then greatly to everybody's mild irritation, um, I decided I would do a degree there as well. And so we were there for six years rather than three. But Reading was fine. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yes. I mean, it's a, it's a real hub for yeah, it's architecture, a hub. conservation, surveying. Yeah, all yeah it was good. First year, you had to do three subjects and you had to do, you had to pass them all. And if you did particularly well in any of them, then you could carry on with it. So I did art history as a sort of, you know, one of the three. I wasn't really thinking of it. I, was there, I, was, I thought I was there to do English literature. Okay. Which is what I'd got in for. Yes. Anyway, I did very well in English literature and I also did exceptionally well in art history and it was suddenly something, I was 23 at that point, mm -hmm. suddenly something that um, I recognised as being really at home with. Yes. And felt really good about. Right. And was good at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. And as a 23-year-old, that's, that's quite amazing. Really. It's quite a revelation, yeah. yes. It was a revelation. So, so th that's, that dawned on me. So I did a degree and then I went on to do a PhD mm -hmm. uh, there. One of the reasons I did a PhD was not just because of interest, it was because there were no jobs. Because, I mean, people have complained about, periodically complained that there's no jobs for graduates. Well, there were no jobs for graduates in the mid-70s. Yeah, yes. So it was far easier to do, because it was the age of grants, mm -hmm. <laughs> of blessed memory. <laughs> it was far easier if you, if you got a good degree to, um, to go on and do research. Of course, yes. And what did you, um, what was your PhD? So that was on John on? Webb, who mm. is a major architect at Greenwich. He was Inigo Jones's pupil mm -hmm. um, and then assistant. And so I kind of started coming here uh, in the 70s on oh, a regular, right. um, to um, look at his King Charles building. Yes. which we'll get to eventually. Mm -hmm. um, so that was that. And then I um, 
then I got a job with the Commission on Historical Monuments. So that's the Royal Commission. The Royal Commission on the Historical Monuments of, of England. England. Yes. And Ta -da. And it's a very <laughs> long-winded title. I know. <laughs> I know. I rang up, rang the Richard Rogers partnership once for sponsorship mm -hmm. for something. So it seemed like a good idea at the time. And the receptionist, I could hear the receptionist say to her, her colleague, "Oh, in half long-winded." Because <laughs> I just given the Real name top. of the organisation. <laughs> <laughs> did they give you some money though? That's they did. Oh, well, they did. No, Richard Rogers was very generous. Okay. It was uh, something we were doing on modern buildings. I think it was an exhibition on modern buildings. Yeah. And he, yeah. Um, he, uh, he contributed. So very while, kindly. You were, while you were with the commission, I shall shorten it to the commission. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> um, you involved with archives of buildings and then... I started off being the administrator for threatened buildings. Okay. So that was, you know, which there were many. In the which 70s. there were many. Um, so any 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 listed building uh, requiring alteration or demolition, we were notified of, and would then have a chance to make a record, if so desired, for the National Monuments Record. Yes, yes. And so one was deciding that sort of thing. And then after two or three years of that, I moved into the National Monuments Record Library mm -hmm. and started doing archives, not particularly, not all that competently, mm. and then. Yeah. But very and involved at that time because you didn't have the digitization and, and the ease of photographing as, as, you, as we do today. No, no, so, so I was, uh, for, for somebody who is very uh, untech savvy, I w became quite involved with the digitization mm -hmm. and so on and so forth. Ah, if you're here at one o'clock, yes. on top of the observatory, you see the ball on the left. Oh, yeah. That rises up at about two minutes to one mm -hmm. and then drops down at one o'clock. So when you're on the river, you can tell the time, set your clock, and then that's why you help, that, that helps you with your longitude when you uh -huh. then sail away, because you always know what time it is at Greenwich. Very important to know. At nought degrees, and so yes, <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> so yes, yeah, so and that's interesting. So, so, so that's how I got involved with the Council of Europe, because we developed with colleagues developed something called the Core Data Index, which sounds really dull. It's actually, it's quite anarchy. The Core Data Index to monuments and sites, or buildings and sites. Yes. And it's, um, it was to enable people who are computerizing their records, or making their records more readily available, to always have the same information in the same order, so that you could do comparisons across countries. Okay. So you have the name of the name of building, date, type, Yes. It all sounds really obvious, but extraordinary how different people marshalled this same information. Yes. So it was um, okay now. Yes. So it was it was a kind of revelation, and it, it somehow I can't remember how, but it came to the attention of the Council of Europe uh, that we were doing this, and so it then became you know I then became chair of this international group. Mm. So over a period of about two years, we then had a massive international agreement um, at Nantes big conference at Nantes. Oh, everybody there from all over Europe. It's absolutely fantastic. Yeah. And the only dissenting voice was Poland, mm. which I think was great because it gave a certain legitimacy because if it shows that there was argument. Yes, yes, <laughs> which is important. You so it then became... Just, you can't just it then became, over and agree right. everything. But it then became a European standard. Okay. So that was the beginning of my being involved with the Council of Europe. It was, um, ah, wow. it so was exciting. Was that that would be the, the standard, I think it was published as a standard in 1987. My 
goodness. Okay. And so after that, you know, they had that program of technical assistance. Um, yes. So, so that, for listeners, that, they, our listeners to the podcast will, I mean, we know what that is, but yeah. no one else will. <laughs> the Council of Europe is different from the European Commission. Um, the Council of Europe was set up in 1949 and is a cultural advice and um, monitoring uh, organisation and human rights. And it was set up with our close involvement and close involvement of Winston Churchill and support. Yes. Um, and has now got about 47 member countries and we are still in that, which is paradoxical because um, in leaving the EU, we were supposedly getting away from European regulation mm-hmm. and so on and so forth, which of course was absolute madness um, because it was generally to the good. Yeah. But um, the court which really annoyed Theresa May when she was Home Secretary was the European Court of Human Rights. The European Court of Human Rights is based in Strasbourg and it's a function of the Council of Europe. Mm-hmm. And it's different from the European Court of Justice, which is in Luxembourg and is a function of the EU. Yeah, yeah. And so we left, we got crossed with the wrong organisation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. About their court, which is typical of the misinformation and misdirection of the whole campaign. Yeah. Anyway, I was very happy and always have been very happy to work with the Council of Europe because it's intensely civilised, collaborative, rather bureaucratic, but... Can't have everything. <laughs> you can't. Um, There's got to be some moles and warts. With lots and lots, lo- loads of brilliant initiatives. Yes. Um, very nice people, very small skeleton staff running it. Mm. The, certainly mm. the heritage department that we were both involved with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, very small group. And with an immense amount of impact. Yeah. And you make friends for life. You do, yes. Yeah, yeah. So it's been great. In fact, that's how we first met John. And I, was t- I was actually trying to remember <laughs> yes. exactly when it was, and I think it was in Paris. So it was right. before I- I'd already started. Oh, uh, we'll in always have Costa. Paris, Emma. We'll always have Paris. <laughs> Paris will always be with us. <laughs> and it was the meeting of all the representatives of Southeast Europe. Yeah. Um, and and you were chairing that meeting, and it was the first. I think it was either the first or second one where right. we were deciding how the whole, what you were deciding, um, how the programme was going to unfold oh, yes. in terms of uh, institutional reform, yes. the laws required to, to help support, or to support the institutions in protecting their cultural heritage, and also the various pilot projects that would yes, hopefully then... Also known as making support. it up as you go along. Definitely. It's kind of <laughs> I mean, that was, that was a fantastic project, which started in about 2003. Mm. Um, oh, here we are, here we are. This is amazing. And the, the colonnade r- runs through the middle of the Queen's House. The Queen's yeah. House was built by Inigo Jones in the 1630s, or 16, 1616 to 1630s, in two phases. And it's got, always had a road running through the middle of it. Mm-hmm. So it was built in a house of two halves, yeah. one on each side of the road. And then and eventually the road was closed. But when this became a school, this actually became the first covered playground. Oh, I, didn't reali- <laughs> I didn't, actually didn't realise it was a school. Yeah, well, it, became, it became a school mm-hmm. uh, when... Uh, and then it, then it became... Then, then in the 30s, it became... 1930s, it became part of the National Maritime Museum. OK, yeah. And it still is. 
uh, when, when they have displays in it, paintings yes. and so on. Uh, would you say so this is one of Inigo Jones's stellar projects? Yes, there are so few that... Mm, that remain. <laughs> that, well, this and the banqueting house are his main, yeah. the two main buildings that survive. Mm -hmm. And this, this colonnade was added by, when the wing, after the wings were added, by Daniel Alexander in the early 19th century. So this colonnade has got nothing to do with it. But if you come through here, then mm -hmm. if we go through here, then Aren't there's we lucky we've got the whole space to ourselves almost. Yeah. Then you can Beautiful. see how it spans the road in three, three wings. So this, when initially built, it was just an H plan with the wing to the north and the wing to the south yeah. and the one bridge in the middle. Yeah. And then in the 1660s, it got expanded with extra, these extra wings oh, put I on. I see, okay. Um, but the road remained. Yes. And they kept the kind of H shape by having this colonnaded yes. pathway at ground yeah. level. And yes. then just, just building up from yeah. first floor, or yeah. piano nobly floor. So it's, it's one of the first, or said to be one of the first, you know, properly classical buildings in in the country, along with the banqueting house in Whitehall, which yes. Jones also designed. Yes, which is one of my projects, actually. Yes, you worked on that. Historical Palaces projects. Yes. In fact, you introduced me to somebody there who's doing the work on it, and it, she took me to... Joe. Was, yeah, there was an, great, evening, yes. an evening which I found absolutely horrifying. I didn't stay very long. I think I was quite... I think I was possibly... I didn't behave very terribly well. Um, <laughs> I think um, because it was one of those reenactment evenings and some guy came up to me and said, hello, I'm Inigo Jones. I'm the, oh my God, I can't bear it. So it wasn't for you. <laughs> no, not my thing. Not your thing, okay. But did you actually, um, <laughs> did you get to go on in the roof space? Because that's on another occasion. pretty amazing. On yes. another occasion with the British murals group. I've been up to, in the roof and, yes. and to see the paintings uh, yeah. at close up. The Reuben ceiling. So yes. anybody's in the centre of of London uh, by Whitehall, between Westminster and Trafalgar Square, the banqueting house is definitely worth a, a visit. In terms of it's just one huge, one big space. Well, that's all that's left of it now, really, is that one big space, yeah. isn't it? But pretty impressive. Wow! I didn't realise from here. Look at look at the city of London from here yes, as well. Yes, it's grown. It has. Well, the glass, Docklands. More glass Docklands is part of, of the city. Various colours. Oh, this is an interesting thing for heritage fans. Um, I mean, it's, it's the Inigo Jones front and the terrace and so on. And he put these and these steps, mm. these horseshoe steps, rather elegant. Yeah. And you will see that they are sort of slightly peculiar because they don't end where you'd expect them to end. They sort of carry on. Yes, they do, don't they? By, yes. by three is, steps. And this is because it's new or done in the 80s. In the 80s, when they wanted to get, they, 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 they obviously had to, uh, quite rightly, arrange for wheelchair access in order to get HLF grants and things like that. And they, they need to get access through here. Yes. So they had to ramp it, make a ramp so you could get in, okay. in your wheelchair. Right. But that meant excavating so uh, much that the steps no longer met the ground. Okay. And so <laughs> and then they dug down and they found, um, they found some footings of, of original Inigo Jones footings, which were like fragments of the True Cross. And so they had to move them lower down oh, as well. Okay. But they moved them down in the same plane, so they were kind of just gone down deeper. Yeah. So anybody who comes along in about 100 years' time and does some digging will think, oh, the steps must have gone even further down. <laughs> and and they, they, it's completely, you know, they, 
<sighs> the lack of the difficulty people have in coping with grade one historic buildings you know I mean these steps actually they're not safe because mm. you think you've got you could think well, you've got to the end but you haven't you carry on and then this is, is very awkwardly juxtaposed yeah. and this is obviously just over. this is obviously just stuck here to yep. stop people falling off the side yeah but it's a trip hazard as well and it's yes. a different the step the yes. rise of that steps a different yeah. height to the so the whole thing the whole thing is incredibly cack handed mm. but it took an enormous amount of discussion and negotiation yeah, yeah, yeah. to enable it at all. So yeah. it's it's a good thing ultimately, but it's but it's you know they could have done it better. Yeah, they could have done it a lot better. I mean you know there's no those they could have replicated the lips, but yeah. I suppose it's part of the mantra of saying things have got to be you know seen to be seen to be different rather than pastiche because pastiche is a really bad thing. Well, yeah. but, but I think pastiche is a good thing. I so. think well, it depends on the place. I, I, yeah, it it's does. like it's like everything. In I mean, the whole we have a long discussion about conservation and authenticity. Yeah. Uh, um, and and the approaches and and I think the pro the problem is that we are t a lot of people w just want a one a, w a one solution that yes. that fits everything. Yes. But when in fact every every situation is different and has to be studied and looked yeah. at for its yeah. merits and, and what its function and what yes. does it mean and a, a broader a broader perspective and, and that's the problem is that yeah you have to treat you have to you have to treat everything as it's not it's not sensible to just think it's the same situation and you'll repeat Precisely. You, but yeah. the t number of times that you can manage to have the time or the support to go back to first principles is it's, it's quite rare, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So one of your, um, so you've written a, a number of books. I noted, I like did a quick <laughs> Google search of you, John. Actually, it was hard to find anything about you. <laughs> Normally I'm swamped in information. Well, I'm glad, I'm <laughs> glad it's difficult. You've managed, you've managed to, uh, stay, to keep your head below the parapet. It's because I, <laughs> I don't do social media, Maybe that's what it is, yes. But I did happen to spot that you, you have written or edited uh, fire engines on their own past um, a book about 12 walks around London buildings oh yeah which and I wonder whether this was one of the well, I wrote that with my colleague um, friend tennis Tan uh, University of Westminster tennis Hinchcliffe mm -hmm. when we worked there together and we did we did walks for students and I'd done walks for American students a lot in London yes and so you know one had a, one had a number of walks and so we thought oh well make a book about it so we kind of uh, we did lots of introductory chapters mm -hmm. um, and then the 12 walks and the 12 walks did include Greenwich okay or do, does include does Greenwich include, yes. so that came out about oh, 12 years ago now mm. probably needs updating because some some areas like the city you know, have changed quite a lot in 12 years. They have, haven't they? So, um, and I there were other walks, that, other, the other places that we didn't do that we would do if we were doing it again. But, uh, well. Hindsight's a wonderful thing. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and, uh, and from your perspective as a, as a architectural historian of architects, how, how would you describe yourself? Architectural uh, historian. Architectural yeah. historian? Yes. Um, what is your view on how London has changed in the last <laughs> 20 years, without using any rude words? <laughs> uh, this crossing here is a bit, a bit problematic. Crossy, I think we might have to go to the, up to the lights. Um, 
I'd done something, yeah, about the time I'd done the Walks book, I think. I was, I was telephoned by the Daily Telegraph mm -hmm. to, to get my views on Parliament Square. Okay. Um, because that, you know, the anti-Iraq war man was uh, in situ. Yes. And, and he said, what do, you, what do you think we should do in Parliament Square? And I said, I think you should have demonstrations in it all the time and throw it over to the public and ban the traffic. Yes. And they said, oh, and hung up. <laughs> Wrong answer. <laughs> so I would like to, <laughs> I welcome the city being much more open yeah. to people to come and go. And so I don't like the privatization of public space, but that seems to have declined. It was very, very, very bad. When we were doing the book on London's buildings, which came out in 2009, yes. um, my nephew, Scott, was taking the photographs for it mm -hmm. and he kept being stopped. Oh, you can't put that there. You can't have a tripod here. You can't photograph that. You know, and, and, and the, the strategy then was, as I was with him, I would then feign surprise and say, oh, I'm terribly sorry, I really didn't realize that. Could you tell us where we could stand then, please? And I'm terribly sorry, I don't want to inconvenience you. By which time, of course, he'd taken the photograph. <laughs> Um, tactic. So that worked. <laughs> but it was very, very, very oppressive. Yes, yes. And there was a period when, you know, tourists were being stopped from taking photographs in Whitehall. Mm -hmm. But that seems really, to have, yes, that seems to have faded a bit. Yeah. So the openness, when spaces can be reclaimed, yes. I think is, 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 is a great boon. And I think there has been quite a lot of that. There's been quite a lot of initiatives mm -hmm. to do that. So I think that's very positive. The, uh, the development of places like Docklands. Yes. Uh, well, <laughs> there what are some good say? buildings. <laughs> um, but I think there's, I, I, I think that that cluster and the cluster in the in the city itself, mm -hmm. um, I think they, you know, it's it's just an incredible. We should cross the road. It's yeah. a very mixed bag. It's you know, there's there's things you can point at and say that's really crass, but then there are other things which are, which are, um, can be welcomed yeah, as yeah, being yeah. a contribution to the architecture. Yes. I mean. So I don't feel I don't feel immensely negative about London. I feel immensely negative about all sorts of things about the contemporary world, but mm -hmm. London itself is not one of them. It's quite positive. And the fact that buildings like this, um, which the ghastly Michael Portillo and Virginia Bottomley in the 90s, 1990s, when the uh, Royal Navy left, yes. wanted to sell off and make into a hotel and all sorts of things, yeah is now back in beneficial yes, public use as the great? University of Greenwich. That's fantastic. And um, this, this was a big project for you, wasn't it? It was an enormous it? project, yeah. So from, from recording what was here to creating uh, yes, an I mean, archive this was, of... This was built as the... Um, well, it started off as being part of the rebuilding of Greenwich Palace in the mid-17th century. And that was when John Webb was here yes. doing a wing. And then that was, that was then abandoned. Mm -hmm. um, and then in the 1690s, Mary of William and Mary sponsored the building of a hospital for, for seamen. 
a kind of retirement home rather, yeah. than, a, rather than a medical hospital for, for, for sailors because there wasn't one and we had a very powerful I mean, the Navy, the Navy was one of the largest public organizations in the country for several mm -hmm. centuries, and, and they had loads and loads and loads of sailors yes. <laughs> who needed looking after yeah, yes. after they'd served their country so valiantly. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so this was built, and it was begun in the 1690s uh, to the master plan of, of Wren, yeah. but then effectively was, a lot of it was built by Hawksmoor. So, sorry, what the building so this is Hawksmoor. Here, this is, and what, what is this building called? This is the King William building. This is the King William building. And it's built by Hawksmoor with this great shouting out portico, yes. which fronts virtually nothing apart from a corridor mm -hmm. and a few small rooms. Because there's no, we can see more when we go to the other side of it, which we'll do, because it's really good. Um, but this is, this is a kind of uh, very declamatory piece of architecture, which was to go with another declamatory piece of architecture here, which didn't get built, which okay. was the infirmary. Okay. So you had these two porticos facing each other, right. uh, you know, going bang. Yeah, yeah, yes. And then that didn't get built, but then later James Stewart in the mid-18th century built the infirmary that's there now, right, which right. is now part of uh, Greenwich University. Okay. Which is, so... Refitted once again, um, refitted now twice by Danat Johnson, yes, which you were involved with, perhaps. Indeed. Uh, no, I wasn't involved with the work, but I did work with them. You did work with them. <laughs> Sounds very incestuous, this whole thing, doesn't it? First it of all, we meet in Paris, and then I was working with Janet Johnson. Yeah, and I met David. David, David uh, Johnson came to our office when we were doing work on this because we'd oh. we'd got all the plans from the property services agency or copied them or something. And so he want, when, when Janet Johnson were uh, restoring this to establish the, the university here, yes. uh, obviously the earlier plans were very valuable. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So we're directly opposite, so over there is the, um, what is it, the National Maritime, uh, the museum, okay. That's so the museum. It's, it's a huge plot, isn't it? It is, yeah. We'll go, if we go around the other side, we get a better, much better sense of it from the other side where you're not allowed to cross the road. And isn't it amazing that there's no traffic in this whole yeah, area, it's, fantastic. it's all pedestrian, which makes it a, a safe space for people to come and wander around as well, isn't it? Kids yeah, there's the occasional mad cyclist, but then you're there. that's an unavoidable part of central London today. And, and for being a student as well, students are on bicycles. Lots of students, yeah. <laughs> oh, Music. Yes, because there's, I read there's um, Conservatoire of Music and Dance here as well. Yes, that's this one. Okay. The Trinity, Trinity Laban Conservatoire of Music and Dance. Yeah. I don't know why they keep conservatoire and everything else is in English. Why isn't it conservatory? I don't know. I don't understand that. That's my uh, ignorance. I don't know either. I'm anyway, equally ignorant, I'm afraid. It started off as being Trinity um, College of Music was uh, near Marylebone Lane in the West End. Okay. Just around the corner from the Wallace Collection. Yes. And then when, when it was realised that this site was far too important and far too grand and wonderful to be just sold as a hotel or you know used for some other commercial purpose, mm -hmm. the great and good all got together under the direction, I think, of Jacob Rothschild. Mm -hmm. And. Uh, lots of back-channel chats and Malcolm Rifkind, the Minister of Defence, was involved as well and, 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 and the quiet words were had with various people, including the Vice-Chancellor of, of Greenwich University, John McWilliam, 
and he he then was in, very, very closely involved in negotiations for how it could then be how it could then be converted and whether the university would want to take it over. Mm. He then had to raise a lot of money mm. in order to do that, and so one well, you know long story anyway he gets it all together, and out of the four blocks, the university ends up with three, mm -hmm. and the fourth one decided that they would that the, the, the um, it was decided by the Greenwich Foundation, which had been set up at that, around about that time, in order to look after the site. Mm -hmm. But they wanted to diversify, hence they invited Trinity College of Music to move here. And then Trinity College of Music subsequently uh, merged with the Laban Dance Centre, okay, so uh, down great. the road. So that's why they're here. Okay, nice bit of diversity. Yeah, yeah, there, there were those who thought it was, it could also be perceived as being a class thing, but of course we won't go into that. <laughs> yeah, we'll be here all day talking about that. <laughs> here all day. But what's really interesting when you look across the river, see, so it's it's old looking at new, isn't it? Modern. Yeah. And then you've got the um, the the dome there. Is that is that the entrance to the foot tunnel underneath the river? Yes. That's where that yes. is. Yes. The foot so tunnel the is the around about tunnel. built about 1900 yeah. to enable the the dockers to get to the docks on the other side Is of the river. Is that why it was? Okay, which yeah. makes sense, yes. Okay, so here we are in the, the Grand um, Central Avenue. There's a Queen's House at the end. Yeah. Uh, the Inigo Jones Queen's House. Mm -hmm. and, we then, and then John Webb is employed to, in the 1660s, to build a new royal palace, to rebuild the Tudor Palace, which was down here. Mm -hmm. So he built that, which is the King Charles building, mm -hmm. and he designed the pendant opposite, though it wasn't built, and he designed a wing here right. with a dome on top. And none of that happened. Um, lack of money, one thing. Um, desire not to get in the way of the Queen's house was another. Because yeah. that uh, has a lovely aspect, doesn't it? Yes. Right to the river, isn't it? And then, so that so so the, the the project stopped. So he'd built one wing, and it didn't. The, the, the wing was never never finished. But then in the 1690s, when uh, Queen Mary uh, wanted decided to to create the the royal the hospital for seamen, mm -hmm. she granted the land except this path, okay. yeah. this this route to the Queen's house. And the idea was that she wanted access to her house by land or by water, and most access was by water. Yes, in fact, yes. then. Um, and that was the story. So, so that was another reason why, in the 1990s, they couldn't really, uh, they couldn't just divest themselves of this building, um, because it was, it would require a special act of parliament yeah, to yeah. take this path back yeah. from being in the ownership of the crown, which it still is. Is it okay? It still is, and so that's why, you know, so it's a bit like now, you know, you're terribly grateful, um, although I'm a staunch Republican, one is terribly grateful to the House of Lords for curbing the worst excesses of this current government, and one is terribly grateful that the Queen still owns this. Yeah, but, you yeah, know, yeah, it's difficult, yeah. isn't it, being yeah. a Republican? <laughs> so anyway. <laughs> always compromise all the way, John, yeah. throughout life. <laughs> exactly. So then in the 1690s, along comes Wren, and he said, okay, well, and there, there were various schemes that he had, but then the one that, the one that they ended up with was, was this one, mm -hmm. where you had this wing and a wing behind it, this wing over here and a wing behind it, mm -hmm. and then on, the, on this side, a chapel with accommodation beyond, mm 
chapel with a dome on top, and on this side the painted hall with a dome on top and, and accommodation behind. Yeah, yeah. So that's, that's what happened over the course of the next 50 or 50, 60 years, that all got built. So for most of the time that these pensioners, these, these retired sailors, were on site, they were living on a building site. Not very calming experience. Not very calming at all. No. And they eventually got finished by the, the 1750s, something like that, and then it was in use for 100 years. But then there was a falling off of the numbers because at, at its height it had well over 2,000 pensioners living here. Wow. But then later it, 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 that declined, you know, the, the, after the Napoleonic Wars there were far fewer, far fewer sailors uh, knocking, knocking, knocking about mm. as, as, as the 19th century wore on. And they also introduced the system of out pensions. So instead of paying pensioners or giving pensioners an allowance to live here and providing them with accommodation, they gave them slightly more so they could live somewhere else. Or you mean like one of the almshouses yes, or something like or that? Yes, or at home. Or at home, yeah, yeah. Members of their family sometimes worked here as well, but it was the sailors, the old sailors who lived here mm -hmm. in dormitories. Well, dormitories on some blocks and cabins in other blocks, but, you know, quite crowded. Yes, yeah. And um, that stopped in the 1860s, and then in the early 1870s it became the, uh, the Royal Naval College. Okay. So the Navy continued to be uh, in charge. Um, it's owned by uh, Greenwich Hospital. The, the Greenwich Hospital is a continuing charity, charitable foundation, which continues to own this and own much of central Greenwich as well, including the market. Okay. Um, and it runs a school in Sussex or Suffolk, something like that. <laughs> what and, and is, a, is, is, is a kind of continuing, continuing charity. And they lease it, or they, 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 they lease it to the Greenwich Foundation to the Old Royal Naval College, which is the foundation which was set up to look after the site. Right. And it's on a 150 year lease. And they, in their turn, sublet it to the University and Trinity Le Bain. Uh -huh. That's how it works. Okay. Sorry, that's how it works. Okay. Interesting. I mean, what's so fascinating also is that you're talking about old historic buildings and, and, um, and young people experiencing learning within them and, and yeah. actually hopefully an appreciation of history yes. because that's absolutely I, I, mean, I was just going to bring you on to this this uh, you're part of the ancient monuments society and I noticed that it's just been had its name changed to historic <laughs> yes. buildings and places. Oh, well spotted. <laughs> the, news, the news has got through. Yeah, I, I, well I was just googling you, you see. Yes. <laughs> what you find? Yes. But what, was, what I thought was very interesting with, with the, the change of name also is that you've modernised it. Yeah. Being just because because there's sort of a bit of it's, I don't know whether oxymoron's the right word, but um, you you refer to ancient monuments society and yet you defended buildings of all age. Yes. So it's sort of like a conflict yes. there. Yes. In terms and and now instead of defending, like swashbuckling to keep the the building yeah. safe, yeah. You're, you're taking on a stance of uh, of looking at the past and seeing the buildings and seeing how you can sustain them for the future. Absolutely. So you're using yeah, that's right. a terminology that people can actually respond to probably more um, 
Yes. More in today's yeah. 21st century. World. Absolutely, absolutely. That's the idea. I'm, yeah. glad, you, I'm glad that that's, what, that's the impression. Uh, yeah, that's no, how I it was intended. The reason for changing the name is that when you say Ancient Monument Society, in the, in, if you'd said it in the 1920s, Ancient Monument Society, that's what, that's what the act under which all the historic building legislation uh, was enacted. That's what it was called. Okay. They were called ancient monuments. Ah, yes. And so everybody knew what ancient monuments were. Yes. But now they don't. They think it's Stonehenge. Yes, yes. Or, or they think it's a statue. Mm -hmm. And so that was what we wanted to get. That, and that had been the case for quite a long time. Yes. And so that's what they were trying to get away from in changing the name to historic buildings and places. Mm -hmm. Or the changing the working title. Yes. The Ancient Monument Society still exists as a legal entity because you can't get rid of legal entities no. that quickly. No, no. But historic buildings and places and the rebranding yes. is all to do with that, yes. changing perceptions. Uh, uh, what I thought was interesting as well, which I hadn't fully appreciated as a society, that because you, were, you took an interest and defended buildings of all types and ages, you, you were an amenity, as, you, as, you, yeah. as it's referred to, that embraces the Georgian society, the 21st century, or 20th century Yeah, society, the Victorian society, Victorian. SPAB, SPAB, and so on. Yes. Yeah. So it's one, it's, it's one, it's the one, the, the Ancient Monument Society is the only one that covers buildings of, that's not period, well SPAB is neither, but the Ancient Monument Society more particularly is not period defined. Yeah, yes. So all his, every, anything that could be decided that could be a historic building of interest, right up to right up to now, yeah, right, well, right up to the, you know, the recent past. And so they have to be consulted on all uh, matters of listed building consent and so on for alteration and demolition. Mm -hmm. uh, it was nice to see that... To also a certain campaign if necessary. Yeah, yes. Uh, it was nice to see that, that the number of buildings that are now demolished or to be demolished is significantly reduced. Right. Um, whether that's because they've <laughs> already been demolished, <laughs> or, or that people's that people's awareness of yeah of buildings uh, are, are so much greater now and mm. have a greater respect. I don't know what's your, what's your view on that. Do you, do you feel that it has changed in? I think there's been. A, I think I think there are still nasty developers around who's, who who whose default position is to think we knock it down, and that's that that uh, the department store on Oxford Street at the moment isn't the, the proposing proposing to knock down and rebuild when it could be very easily converted. Right. So there is still a lot of that about. Yes. Um, and Debenhams is having tremendous trouble, or the Debenhams, st former Debenhams stores are in great difficulty of around course, the country. Yes. There's hundreds of, there's yeah, loads yes. of those, and they, they could all be converted, but the, 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 the immediate sort of thing is, let's get, let's get rid of it. So I think there is, there is still a tremendous amount of bad behavior or unenlightened behavior. Which, uh, which makes the jobs of the immunity societies continuing to be important, even yeah. if there are fewer official applications. Right, right. Um, so I think, I mean, I know very well that, uh, you know, the, the, the Monument Society, Lucy, who is, who's in charge and, and, and was the caseworker, and now there is a new caseworker called, called Ross, who's incredibly good. And they're very, very busy all mm -hmm. the time. Mm -hmm. And there are also other people, an industrial advisor, the ecclesiastical advisor, and so on, because the, you know a lot of things have to get covered. Yes, yes. They're very, 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 it's very intense. Yeah, yes. <laughs> and in fact, actually, what people also forget is the whole vernacular uh, yeah. architecture as well is something that's mm. very much not considered no. as being important or easy to uh, no. fiddle around with and make modernize and it doesn't matter when in fact it yeah, can that, do 
And it's, the, it's those vernacular buildings which are the ones where I started off with, with you know, in the, in the Royal Commission, you know, going, mm -hmm. around, going around timber-framed things. Yeah, yeah. And trying to learn about different sorts of roof truss, very ineffectively, actually. <laughs> yeah. Peculiarly impervious to... Well, John, you're the kind of the wrong height for a person to spend a lot of time <laughs> in roof I know, spaces, aren't you? <laughs> anyway, the reason I could come here is, is, isn't this wonderful? Beautiful. Isn't it absolutely fantastic? Mm. And, it, and it, it flies against all the kind of uh, ideas of um, you know, classical propriety, which is why in the early 18th century it was frowned upon by the, you know, the people like the Palladians who were much more correct, mm -hmm. that this was far too in your face. And also it does things that classical architecture shouldn't do. It's got, it's got this mixture of small columns and large pilasters which yeah. start off at different heights. Yeah. So the, you know, and it's got large windows over small spaces and small windows over large spaces. It's got the mixture of materials, which mm -hmm. is entirely accidental because the whole thing was, was intended to be stone clad all the way around. Yeah. But they couldn't get enough stone because oh. St. Paul's Cathedral was being built. Oh. Okay. So that was using up all the Portland stone. So oh, Hawksmoor right. made a virtue out of necessity here, you know, and yeah, yeah. With, with, with kind of wonderfully textured uh, facade, yeah. um, which was just an accommodation block. Nothing grand. And you know. for, for the listeners, we're, we're actually looking at the back side of... The one we were looking at the earlier. The one we were looking at earlier, which is called, what's it called again? It's, the, it's all the King William building. The King William building, yeah. So we're in like a central cobbled yeah. square, really, isn't it? Yes, it is. And in this one here, there was the... Uh, Dan at Johnson put in new lecture theatres in here. Yes. And, and there was a lecture theatre here on the left-hand side, originally, uh, for the Naval College, which had... Um, there was a handle behind where the lecturer stood. It's a double height lecture space. Yes. And, and, and there was a handle, a metal handle, you could put in a slot and wind it round and the roof opened. Oh, wow. So you could gaze at the night sky. Oh, my goodness. And see the star. How beautiful. Yeah, absolutely fantastic. We came across this when we were doing the survey in the, uh, uh, in the late 90s, this feature. And in the basement here, there was Jason, the nuclear reactor. Um, which we weren't allowed to go in to see, but they, were, they had a big model of it outside, and they have a model of it now in the, in the visitor centre. Okay. And it was to enable young submariners to learn about nuclear reactors. Wow. Before going onto a submarine with a nuclear reactor, with a nuclear I'm device. I mean, so there's one, yeah. and so, uh, but the interesting, the interesting, the contrast in views between, um, between uh, its installation, when it was installed, there was stuff in the paper about um, at last Greenwich has its own nuclear reactor. How wonderful! And then when it left, when it left, everybody had forgotten that. And said, oh God, I've got a nuclear reactor right in the heart of Greenwich. How terrible that is! How terrible that is! How shocking! <laughs> yeah, the, the change of yeah, public uh, perceptions. Yes, perceptions exactly. Up here we've got oh, Benjamin West. Benjamin West's design for the the death of Nelson, where the body of Nelson is being handed up into the arms of Britannia in the middle. Yeah. And uh, England, Scotland, and Wales on the, on the right-hand side in attitudes of grief, yeah. seemly grief. West wrote all this up, which is why one knows so much <laughs> about it. He wrote a little booklet about it. Did he? Yes. Okay. And so that's, uh, that's Neptune telling the merman to hand up the body of Nelson who has fought successfully in 122 battles, as oh, the lion yes, says. CXX11, yeah. 
Absolutely wow. fantastic. It's the biggest code stone sculpture there is. I mean, it's made up of pieces, but it's the largest, uh, you know, aggregate of mm. code stone, the artificial stone, which is particularly hard, double-fired, and pioneered by Eleanor Code at her workshop in Lambeth. And, and so it's all over London from the late 18th, early 19th century. Yeah, yeah. These, all these, these code stone figures. And she's a major entrepreneur and very good. And this is modelled on the... A lot of it's modelled on the Parthenon marbles, which had okay. just, ar just arrived at that time, the yeah, early 19th yeah. century, arrived in dubious circumstances. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but these, these figures are, are direct cribs, including the, the horse. The whole, yeah, the, yeah so, and there's the two horses behind it as well. Yeah. Absolutely beautiful, beautifully carved. So it's, uh, yeah. It's so wonderful. important to look up. Important to look up, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so this, this project, took how many years for you to... Oh, writing this, uh, writing yeah. all this out. Um, well, there were a group of us um, at the commission who did it, and we divided it up into uh, four or five of us, and we divided it up into, into sections, which then got into one book. Um, it took, I don't know, three or four years? And from it, did you? And did then you there was a large book, and mm. and I've benefited from that ever since because I've been regarded as being somebody who's supposed to know know about this area, so I tend to get asked. <laughs> but of course, you always get asked about things you don't know about because if you if you'd known about them, you'd have put them in the book. Oh, of course, yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's good to know that you've always got more things to. Uh, yeah, to, there's always to more things. <laughs> People always have more things to ask. Yes, yes <laughs> which is a good thing. The building itself, I mean, it was still going on in the 1650s. You know, when Thomas Ripley did all this. Yeah. It's an incredible that the number of architects involved in, in London. And we, we tend to only hear about Christopher Wren, you know, in rebuilding after the, yes. the fire. And, and it sort of stops there. And a lot of the other architects are, are, are lesser known and lesser thought of, perhaps, um, because of it. But when, in fact, they, they have created yeah. huge marks on, on, on London's... Uh, yes. But you're only supposed Landscape. to have heard of the, the educated person is only can get away with just knowing about Christopher Wren and Edwin Lutyens, mm -hmm. and that's it really. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was um, podcast chatting with uh, Nigel Planer the other week, uh -huh. and uh, he's in the process of his second book, taking us to the north side of the river. We've done one on the south, south right? Side. And he is about to blow open wide the uh, idea that. Wren built all the churches ah. on the north side when in fact it was Hook <laughs> and uh, he thinks it's a terrible, we're going to go on a Hook exploratory <laughs> mission. <laughs> yeah, I mean Wren couldn't possibly have built 50, 50 churches. No, exactly, <laughs> exactly. So, uh, there was Hook and there was Woodruff and there were, there were you know, there were, other, there were others. There's, what's his first name? Geoffrey, Sally Geoffrey's former husband who died. Um, uh, he did a book about the churches, which was identifying architects and craftsmen and so on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A long time ago. Yeah, so it's uh, quite right. Yeah. I mean, in fact, that's something that um, we were talking about. My colleague, Joe, who I used to work with and who you, who you met recently at the Banqueting House, um, and we were having a discussion about skills and skilled craftspeople in today's yeah. world and how these buildings are going to fare going forward into the future mm. where skills are being lost and how are we going to ensure that that they are 
looked after. Well, we yeah. can't really. We can only do what we can do within our lifetime. But and certainly, it's not a robot or a no. But with all the that could do the work. with all the uh, well, there's somebody writing in today's Guardian about replication. Mm-hmm. That now you can do so much, and he's the person whose whose organisation had done the replica of the Palmyra Arch, which travelled around. Oh yeah. Now you can do so much um, on screen. He was saying that you could re-carve, you could carve the Parthenon marbles, recarve them, uh, or make make new Parthenon marbles by copying what was done already, mm-hmm. and that therefore it didn't really matter where they were. You could send back the, the marbles to Athens and you could have replicas here right. which could be indistinguishable from the original Okay. because the technology is there. And when I was at the University of Westminster, um, the, the technical people there, the, absolutely st- the students were doing absolutely staggering things, you know, you could, well you can make, you can make guns. Mm. Yeah, well, yes, yeah. <laughs> For example, yeah. you can also do peaceful things like make capitals out of stone. Yeah, yeah. So that's going to be the way. That will be the way forward, I think. So, the, so there was this justifiable period about um, you know thinking that craftsmanship was going to be, become redundant. It's just shifted, uh, shifted to another sort of emphasis, I think. And so what's what's going to be necessary is the knowledge to of how to do that, but also the sensitivity of knowing when it's needed. Yeah. And yeah. so that's going to be the hard bit, rather than the actual skill, which w- the skill will be, will be diminished because it'll be much more machined. Mm-hmm. Now that might not be perfect, but it's... But it just means those who do have the skill will become even more yeah. uh, lauded for their, for their... Yes, and there's lots of things which, there's lots of things which obviously tradi- are, are still done in the traditional way. I mean, the, the, um, the restoration of the painted hall in there yeah, yeah. Uh, over several years just finished a couple of years ago mm-hmm. was you know was people up on scaffolding with brushes you know and and, and, and wet wipes yeah 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 it's incredible <laughs> yeah it was amazing it was an extraordinary experience going up there did you go up no no i didn't have a chance aha here we go it was that one o'clock there goes the ball is that one o'clock yes it is the ball is rising there we go well, on it, the on did the it rise uh, or did it come down? well it looks like is it's it going up or is Maybe it an optical illusion Maybe it's not working today. Maybe, it, maybe it's already dropped and I missed it. Anyway, um, yeah, and it's, it was weirdly... Because dis- the scaffolding was way up, right near the ceiling, yeah. so that they could reach, obviously, the ceiling, it was totally disorientating. You just had no idea. Because you, you've got, you got, so got a fairly good idea of where things are on the ceiling from the ground, who's where, you mm. know, what they're doing. But up there, I com- completely disorientated yeah. and got entirely lost. Yes. Anyway, you're so close to it, aren't you're you? You're so close. You'd have no, you no context. Yes, yeah, yes. Yeah. Well, over there is Island Gardens, mm-hmm. which was bought by the hospital, or no, bought by the Naval College. No, bought by the hospital. Yeah, bought in the time of the hospital, pre-Naval College, mm-hmm. in order to protect the men from the foul, noxious gases coming over from the docks and the associated industries. And so they thought, you know, the, the argument was whether how far they believed it or not. The argument was, well, we have this little island of natural beauty and so yes. on that people can sit on, sit there and gaze back here, mm-hmm. as Canaletto did when he did his painting. Yeah. Uh, that that would be uh, that would be an asset uh-huh. for the for uh, for the uh, for the hospital. So it's protected and, and so it's protected. 
So it's almost like a little oxygen lung. Yes, that's right. It's a little, a little lung. Yes. So it's a bit like a huge spider plant. Yes. In the of an island. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> so the dome and the foot tunnel comes out there. When was that built? Was that? It's about 1902, something oh, okay. like that. Yeah, there's a dome at each side. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then the, the the later dome is that one down there, of course. Of course, a different kind of dome. The O2. The O2 dome, yeah. It isn't really a dome at all, but it's a, what is it, a uh, tensile tent or to something? To me, it always looks like it's still in construction. Ah, yes. But that's yeah, just constant me. state of being. It uh, is, uh, yes. About to be. <laughs> Yes, it's like um, the that will go up and down. It's been immensely successful, I mean, in the, as, as, as a venue. Yes. Very, very, very popular. Yes, considering it was only meant to be there for about a year, wasn't it? Yeah. And then they yes. gave it a new lease of life. And, um, you know, the whole development is, continues, mm. uh, the, whole de the, the whole development of housing next to it. Yeah, continues. and I've just seen from here, I'd never noticed that the, um, the Emirates, the, the, the uh, bubble car, is that the Emirates thing? The, the bubble car? Uh, cable car. Where did that? Oh, come? that. Oh, yes, yes. That horrible. That's a, that's, that? an, that's a, another stupid Johnson idea when he was mayor. Just <laughs> ridiculous man. Yes, goes to the Excel Center among other things. Ah, and so, but okay. but everybody who goes to the Excel Center, they go. They don't go on cable cars because well, they're too long. <laughs> People are in a hurry. You got to go to London. North. You got to go to North Greenwich Station. You got to go on the cable car. People say it's an absolutely wonderful view. How much does it cost? I bet it's cut a fortune to go. I on. don't know. I haven't been on it. Yeah, it does. Yes, yes, and it is just completely pointless, utterly pointless. <laughs> uh, it's a vanity, vanity project. Oh. Uh, they were going to use it when they were going to turn the Excel Centre into an emergency hospital, and so there was then all sorts of discussion about who would benefit enormously, and would, uh, and, uh, but, and and then whichever government it was that owns owns the Excel, and whichever government it is that owns the. Emirates cable car decided that they would do it all free because they were getting some bad publicity because people were talking about how much they were going to charge. Oh, I see. But then they didn't use the. Yeah. What, what are those hospitals called? They were called the, the um, uh, Nightingale. Yes, and they didn't actually use it. No. Didn't become uh, necessary. Mm. Anyway, that's that's that. Yeah. That's the cable car. Modern Wharf, I think that's going to. There, there's some there's some proposal for an enormous residential tower there. Okay. Because what obviously we need is more residential towers. Don't we just? Yeah. <laughs> so this is along the, I mean, this is a really interesting part of the river because literally it just curves around out of sight, doesn't it? And yes. And our sight line, it's still, it's the skyline's still lovely. Well, yeah. I mean, you've got buildings there, but it's still and most relatively open. And most it? tourist events stop here at Greenwich. Yeah, they don't indeed. go on. No. You used to be able to go on to uh, the barrier, but I think the barrier since certainly since Covid, the barrier visitor centre has been closed, oh, so I don't suppose it? any boats go there mm -hmm. anymore, uh, or for now. Um, but the, the Uber little river boats, yes. the black and white river boats, they go further down, they go as far as Woolwich. Oh, do they? Okay. Yeah. It's a lovely part of London, really, isn't it? Yes. And there's whole lots of you know there's whole lots of wharf that are still have still su have survived. Yeah. And, but well, there's extraordinary numbers of bits of uh, wharf you know sticking out of the water. You kind of there's archaeology of past yeah, yeah, yeah. river traffic. And that there the metal the the iron steel whatever the metal. Yeah. <laughs> that's the power station. That's the jetty. Oh, that's the jetty. Oh, yeah, that's that's the I jetty of the power station. Okay. Because you could see the chimneys. Yeah. The brick chimneys. Further. Yeah. Okay. This is a nice location to just discuss about authenticity. Your, your most recent book, which you launched at, at Trapping Through Bookshop. 
Thank you. Oh, it was really a lovely, lovely yes, occasion. it was good. Um, about the authenticity of architecture and the, and, um, the built environment. Yeah. Generally, heritage. Is that? I yes. can't remember the exact title. I've got the book in my bag, actually. Authentic Reconstruction. That's it. It was designed to have a provocative <laughs> title because people said that Reconstruction could never be authentic. But authenticity rests in a number of different places. There isn't just one sort of authenticity. And, and so it's a kind of questioning wherein is the authenticity. Because there are a whole lot of things now where the borough charter in Australia, which been renewed two or three times since its inception, is a very sophisticated piece of work which an authenticity resides in activity as much as it does in fabric. So this could become a place of celebration and it has been in the past. You know, they've had they've had Sonne Lumia shows here, they've had they had proto Nazi shows here in the nineteen thirties. Yes, they did. They, they were very dubious, yeah. very dubious admiral in charge at that time, very dodgy. This has a historical authenticity for activity here, which goes beyond the fabric of the buildings and yes. beyond the original function of the buildings, and it gets inscribed onto it. And so that's, what, that's what's interesting to learn about or mm. to, 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 to find out about. And, then, and so then it becomes a question of, you know, can you protect things because of for these intangible reasons? Brixton Market was a very good example for heritage, heritage in this country yes. when it got listed. And, and it, on the face of it, it's not a market that you would think is architecturally distinguished, but it was decided it should be listed um, because of the activity which it embodied for the community which was there. Exactly, yeah. And so that's a really good thing, that's a yeah. really great step forward. And that's yeah, fanta yeah. fantastic that they did that. So yeah. it's, um, it's, it's, uh, it's important to look beyond the mere bricks yeah, yeah, yeah. into the function. So th and with, with, your, with the book that, that was published, what was interesting from that, that it was looking at post-conflict situation, war, um, and also natural disaster. Yeah. And how do you deal with the rebuilding, yes. reconstruction, or yes. not? Of that, yeah. In that case, of those yes. of buildings yes. in those situations, and looking at various pilot projects and trying to define yeah. what would should the guidelines be for people yeah. to, to consider before making decisions on mm. what to what to do. Yes. Um, were the guidelines agreed upon by everybody? They were put to they were put to the they were put to the Council of Europe, and they've been the focus. They've been a focus for discussion, but nobody's come nobody's come forward and said let's have these as guidelines. It, yeah. It's just a sort of a contribution to the ongoing debate, I suppose. Yes. Um, it, because it came out of the project that you referred to earlier, the the Southeast Europe project, mm. which was to do with all the countries of the, the nine countries of Southeast Europe valuing their heritage and getting back to a, a stable situation after in some cases economic disaster and after in other cases war yeah um to 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 use the heritage as a catalyst for uh, for recovery and growth yes and that involved notions of reconstruction yeah. and there were people on the advisory group who really didn't want to encourage people in Bosnia, for example, to reconstruct uh, an area or reconstruct a mosque. It's absolutely not. You can't do that. It's anti-heritage. It's anti-Venice Charter. It's anti-this. It's anti-that. It get, flies in the face of all the ideas of authenticity and respect for history. You can't replicate. Yes, but they want to do it because it means something to them, because it's part of the fabric of their community and they want the place to look more or less as it looked before so that they can go back if they've been forced out. No, 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 you can't do it. So it went on like that. Yeah. And it was out of that that I realised that I learned 
and you know, I hadn't really thought about it before. I learned a vast amount, and also I came down on the side of the, Bos the Bosnians. Why not? If that's if that's emblematic of your community, mm. if that's what you want to do, yeah. and if nothing else will do it for you, then what you need is guidelines to do it properly, exactly. as accurately yeah. as you can. Yeah. yeah. And so, with you know, a couple of colleagues, we worked all that out, and we got contributions from lots of different other other continental European countries. Yeah. And also, we looked. Look, my colleague Rob Pickard, who you know very well, um, yeah. he, um, he did the chapter on recovery from fire, because there's natural disasters, as you, as you say, as well as, as well as wartime disasters. So that was post-Glasgow post School of Art. Oh, yes. Anyway, after the book came out, it burnt again, didn't it? So yeah, I was had two, And they still haven't decided. But that embodies that the discussions about Glasgow School of Art are the discussions that have been played out Throughout recorded history, right from Livy writing about the rebuilding of Rome, mm -hmm. um, where the question is, do you replicate? Do you build completely anew and make a new place? Do you compromise and have older looking buildings with a newer, with a more modern kind of infrastructure? Mm -hmm. And this is the these are the, these are the options, yeah. and they, they have always been the options yeah. for hundreds, <laughs> thousands of years, and they still are the options, and it's very interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And every time anybody raises these options, they obviously, they obviously think, oh, I'm thinking of this for the first time, but they're, they're in a long tradition. And it's yeah. the same discussion with, uh, with Notre Dame, exactly the same. Of course, yes, yes. I don't actually know what they've decided with Notre Dame. It's not entirely clear. No. I think they're replicating, <laughs> I think they're replicating some, yeah. but I don't think they've decided I don't think they've decided on the spire okay. yet, yeah. as far as I'm aware. I mean, this cultural heritage, I mean, it's not only is it political, but it's also, it's, it's about community. And it's also about people's egos. And mm. it almost, how do you remove people's egos so they can, so it can yeah. be looked at in a, in a much, a much more balanced way, because in the end, quite often the people making the decisions are not the people who are actually going to be living there and using the buildings or using the area, and, it, and so it's so, so important to involve those people. That's very important. Very, very that's a very important point, and that's what we were do, trying to do, isn't it, in we the were. Council of Europe? Yeah. yeah. Um, because they were, there'd been all those aid agencies going in, yeah. saying this is what you should do. Yep. And we were actually asking them, what would you like us to do? Exactly. Which was different. And the project that you did, which is absolutely fantastic, on doing the churches in Kosovo. It was after a two after point. 2004, yeah, yeah. then that was very much, wasn't it, rooted in community desires. Exactly, exactly. Involving as many people as you could yeah. in, in the decision-making process. Yeah. Because in the end, we weren't the ones who were going to be using these buildings or living no. in the area. No. Uh, you have to provide something that's going to be used. Otherwise, it's just a, a yeah. red herring. And I saw that driving through many parts of, of Greece and parts of Europe as well, EU projects. Mm. which. Um, look beautifully, beautifully designed. Obviously, a lot of money's gone into them, but they're just lying there abandoned because they haven't involved the community. The community yeah. have not uh, engaged and have not taken on responsibility mm. and, yeah. and and the involvement of. of yes, it's sort of so it's, it's sort of been imposed. Yeah, 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 yeah. somebody somebody's idea of what would be what would be a good thing, mm. rather than coming out of what they what they want. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which is another reason for it. Say, if people say they want to have it reconstructed as it was, then yes, listen yeah. to them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, also, there needs to be, in some cases, a time frame where nothing is done for a while, while yeah. people heal. Um, I, 
because when I was living in Sarajevo for a while, I was talking to a, a friend, and she, along with a number of Bosnian friends, had been in Sarajevo during the bombings, mm. and they all had very different views on a specific building. Mm -hmm. Some were saying, "You have to keep it because it's it, otherwise, how are we going to remember yeah. those who died?" Yeah, and and they were they were afraid of losing the memory, mm. and how else can you attach? Yeah. the memory if the building isn't there for them to remember it's quite yes, an interesting yes, thing yes. but whether with time now their view has changed mm -hmm. uh, is, so there's lots of things to consider yeah say. I remember Amra you, you remember yes, Amra yes. she, I mean she was she, she wrote a lot about one particular village that got um, rebuilt it had been sacked and and, and uh, I think some Norwegian People's Aid or someone like that, some very well-meaning, very good organization came in and they rebuilt it, but they rebuilt it wrongly. Mm. They didn't rebuild it, they didn't rebuild it as it was, they rebuilt it as they thought it should be. Yeah, yeah. Which was not wrong of them um, anymore, you know, it was, just, it was very w a very well-meaning thing, but they didn't actually take in enough. The desire for imperfection, mm -hmm. I think. If you've, if you've kind of got something that's older, and it's been knocked about a bit and added to over time, you know. Uh, then, then you don't want something new in its place because it looks it doesn't look right. Yeah, and it so just has no you come back no history on it at all. <laughs> and and it would have been better if they'd built something that was a bit ramshackle. Yeah, you just reminded me because in uh, one of the trips I did in in Macedonia, too. Oh, it's not called Macedonia. It's called the Northern Republic of Macedonia. North. The Republic of North Macedonia. Yeah, that's the Republic of North Macedonia. Yes, good heavens, and you shot it, you get that right. <laughs> Sorry, Julia. <laughs> um, but she, it was Julia who took me to a village uh, where the mayor had had a lot of the older buildings, beautiful old vernacular timber mm. buildings, some in a pretty shocking state, true to say. But what, they, what he had done, and very proudly had done, was built the villages modern, mm -hmm. state-of-the-art, houses but the older generation moving in there mm -hmm. didn't like them mm -hmm. because there was no familiarity again mm -hmm. exactly what you were saying mm -hmm. and there was one house we visit where the lady she the only thing that she had been able to say from her old house that her mother and mm -hmm. her grandmother lived in was a, an old wooden chair and right. she sat in that and she didn't like anything and this was her mm -hmm. this was her connection to her past yeah and she had no no connection to the now and yes. therefore to her future mm. and that's so sad and so yes. easy for us who may be helping in the design process to forget mm. again yeah. um, and, and, and a reminder how, how important it is to involve well moving people out of the hutong in beijing into into the blocks of flats on the periphery i mean that's a that's another instance of that isn't it where you, if you're if you're a young if you're a young person starting off it's really nice to have a spacious a more spacious flat rather than be in a hutong where there's no toilet yeah but if you're an old person that's lived there all their life then that's what you're used to and that's what you're that's where you're comfortable and that's where your friends are yes exactly you exactly. know yeah. and your last remaining relatives <laughs> it's it's that that kind of uh, which I suppose is a, is a discussion that's been, you know, it's been go going on on with reconstruction in this country. I mean, the Beaconsfield and places like that, and moving people out of Bethnal Green after the mm -hmm. war, mm -hmm. knocking down the slum housing. That was the complaint then, you know, where you're, 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 you're fracturing the community. I can no longer leave my front door open. My mother's no longer around the corner. 
but on the other hand I've got a new bathroom and I've got a, an indoor toilet for the first time and yeah. so on and so yeah, forth yeah. and it's always the, it's these these things they never they never they're never solved so they're no. never going to go away no no they're I was like Elizabeth Blanchet did you meet her who she catalogues all the um, post-war houses what are they called again um, that should only have lasted 10 years oh prefabs prefabs I was thinking about that in the in the in the French um, and she oh, you're so sophisticated <laughs> Not really. <laughs> <laughs> um, she catalogued and photographed them and met with so many of the yeah. people. And so many of them, had, when they were knocked down, were then moved into modern housing and yeah. had lost that, had yes. lost their community as a result. Yes. And their, their spirit and their soul had gone mm -hmm. with it. So that's. Yeah. Anyway, yes. it's a discussion that could go on and on and on, really, couldn't it? And it does. <laughs> it, it does, does. yeah. Yes. Um, so, John, what's, what's your next, what's the next big project that you're involved with coming up? allowed to divulge? Yeah, well, I'm doing this thing for the Council of Europe I've just started, which is to do with cultural roots and, and seeking to make a connection between the cultural roots, which are run from a Council of Europe offshoot in, in, in Luxembourg. And they are the they're sort of things like the, um, oh, give me an example of the cultural root. Um, like the like a salt the, root the, or a the iron age the iron age the iron root or the uh, yes or, or salt roots in Italy salt roots that sort of thing. yeah mm -hmm. the wine root wine root sounds quite yeah. fun <laughs> the liberation root post war liberation root mm -hmm. which and it's the idea is that you you have three territories or three countries at least and quite often more which collaborate on getting people into um, or, or identifying sites of significance on that theme and then having educational events and you know collaborative events and so on, bringing people together, mm -hmm. using heritage to bring people together. Yeah. And that's been going since the 1980s. And then after the project that we were involved with in Southeast Europe, I was involved in doing a recommendation for the Parliamentary Assembly on cultural heritage in crisis and post-crisis situations, how to defend the heritage in times of war, how to recover from it after. Yes with various examples and so the proposal has just been made that maybe the maybe the cultural roots and this could help each other mm -hmm. in a in a, another dimension for cultural roots but also another another outlet for discussions on heritage in crisis yeah. so that's one project and the other thing i'm trying to do the with difficulty is write about percy dannat percy dannat was trevor's uncle Okay. Of Dannat Johnson. Yes. And Percy was based around here. Yeah. And um, Greenwich, he was yeah. a bit of an inspiration for Trevor, I think, mm -hmm. early on. And he built various things for the for the Roan School and the Roan Charity, which okay. is a charitable foundation, looking at for for children. Um, and he built an estate, a sort of little cottage estate behind St Alfred's Church, mm -hmm. which I want to write about. Um, and I managed to get access to the London Metropolitan Archives in the autumn, at last, after in, in between lockdowns, yes. and saw the plans. I can't get access to the Greenwich Archive because it's been shut oh now. For, it's just a disgrace, it really is. They shut it down in Woolwich, where it was five years ago. They moved it into a store in Charlton, very well-appointed store. Then with lockdown, they locked it down and said, oh, we can't allow people in, there's not enough room and we'll use this time for cataloguing and we're still waiting for it to reopen. Oh my goodness. And uh, Greenwich local authority, I don't think, regards its archive as a priority. Yeah. Archives in London are at risk. 
Yeah, yeah, that's the Which problem with archives. Is they're not meant to be sitting there g gathering dust. They're there for, for people. They're to be used. used, and in fact, in fact, the council itself, or not just Greenwich Council, suffers because if they don't, because all the planning stuff is there, and it's mm. a new development. You're supposed, you're supposed to have people can be able to go and look. Yeah. What does this mean for this area? What does it mean for? And they can't. So it's, it's, this is an opportunity yeah. to say... So if any listeners can help, <laughs> can help. getting this archive reopened, then we please can. contact John. Yes, then we can, then I can get on with Percy Dannett. Yes. <laughs> well, John, is there, I've asked you so many questions. Is there anything that you'd like to add or that I should have asked you that you, you want I think to you, talk I, about? I think, I think I've talked enough. Really. <laughs> You've talked enough. It's been fantastic. We've been so lucky. The weather's lovely. The weather's it's, fantastic. And it's just such a great day to be standing here. Looking, and these, at looking, at, looking, at these, and looking at these domes, yes. um, which they are very competitive, because uh, this was to some extent modelled on the Invalides in Paris, oh, the, the home for old soldiers, mm -hmm. Louis XIV established. That's only got one dome. Aha! Ah. <laughs> Look! <laughs> it's got, yes, we've, we've, got two. we've outdone them. <laughs> yeah. Now, if, if John Webb had been able to put his, uh, his building across there, or if Wren had been able to put his building across there, which yes. they proposed, with the one dome on top, we'd have only one dome. Uh -huh. So we have yes. Queen Mary to thank, thank for keeping you, the Mary. avenue open. Yes. So you had to have two domes, so you get bilateral symmetry. symmetry. <laughs> thank you, Queen Anne. Yes. <laughs> Marvellous woman. Well, that's a, that's a wonderful Queen name. Mary. Queen, Queen Mary. Mary. Sorry, Sorry, the wrong one. Yes, Queen Mary. Um, yeah. I think it's time that we stop. Maybe yes, I think so. A, I think it's a good, good idea. Thank <laughs> you, John, so much for coming out on the podcast show and explaining. Don't play with your phone. Don't play I'm, with talking <laughs> I'm talking to the podcast listeners here. <laughs> and um, talking so much about Greenwich and Council of Europe architecture life in general. Thank you. Um, and um, to all you podcast listeners out there, I hope you've enjoyed the podcast. If you'd like to get in touch with John, you can do via, do you, have you got an email address or should I do it through me? They can get in touch okay. with you. If you, you'd can like pass, to get in you can pass them on. If you'd like to get in touch with I don't John. Have so, I don't have social media that I can, okay. I, do, I do have an e email. But yes, yes. Okay, so if any podcast listeners are here, want to get in touch with John Bold, please get in touch via my email, emma at travellingthrough.co.uk. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please do share with your friends and subscribe. That would be fantastic. <laughs> and if you have time to write me uh, or the Travelling Through podcast a review, that's fantastic because that helps others to find the podcast and all my guests to get known about. I'm going to leave you now on this lovely sunny afternoon. I hope you have a good week, take care, and thanks for listening.